Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now enjoy this message. All right, I'm just asking, just give me one more chance, okay? That's all I'm asking for, one more chance. I'm, uh, I'm actually going home to my family um, tomorrow morning, back to Texas. I know, it makes me sad. But if you, if you enjoyed having us here, because we've enjoyed you guys, we love this church, we are coming back. Um, if you do not like us, then you have several months off. Don't worry about it. You don't have to worry about us for months. <laughs> um, the last couple of weeks, I've been talking about the power of God. We've been talking about Lean on Me. And some of the stories that I've been telling have been big stories. And I've heard a couple of people that were like, oh, that was weird. I don't know. I can't handle that stuff. So I don't want to make you uncomfortable, but we do worship a living, present, powerful God, not a distant, disabled God. And my hope in telling you those stories, listen, if you live 25, 30, walk 40 years with Jesus, you're going to see some of this stuff because you're going to begin asking God for stuff like that, right? So my hope is that our faith will rise somewhere around the level of God's ability, That's what I'm hoping for, that we'll begin to see, oh my goodness, God can do lots of stuff. And the Bible talks about all the things God can do, and it doesn't really talk very much about things God can't do. Have you noticed that? The Bible doesn't tell us much about what God can't do. You know why? That thing doesn't exist. He's powerful. So listen, the world's not going to get any easier. We're going to face battles. And if you're going to face battles, you better arm yourself for the battle, right? Um, My dad, he's always good at giving advice. I I used to have to walk through a really bad neighborhood when I was a kid to go to church. And I would get jumped often on my way back through this neighborhood. A bunch of kids would jump me at the same time. I don't know if you noticed or not, but in, uh, in border Texas, I stick out like a sore thumb. I was a little skinny redheaded kid with freckles. I had that sign on my forehead that said, punch me repeatedly. Like that was, that was my life. So I came home one day and I was all beat up. And my, my dad was like, Zach, I don't want you fighting, but if you're going to fight, fight to win. And, and I said, dad, all these guys are bigger than me. And there's a lot of them. And he said, you just pick up anything you can get your hands on and you smash it on their heads. So I had this lunchbox. <laughs> Do you remember those lunchboxes in the seventies? that were made out of like solid steel or something like that, you know? And mine was a How the West Was Won lunchbox and it had the cowboys on it and stuff like that. I loved that lunchbox. It had the thermos inside. You could put Campbell's soup in it or you could put whatever drink you wanted. So I'd bring that, that lunchbox with me to and from school all the time and it was pretty heavy. So I made sure coming home from school, I put rocks in that sucker. <laughs> now here's the problem with that lunchbox. It was really hard to open and close because I dented it up on the head of this big, mean kid named Tito. (laughs) So when they jumped me the next time, I took that lunchbox and went, kabam, kabam, kabam. And it was so dented up, it was hard to get that thing open and closed. You know what? If you're in a fight, you pick up whatever is at hand and you fight with that thing. That's how you do it. And, And the Lord has expectations about this. We need to learn to utilize the tools that he's made available to us. And he didn't give you a lunchbox. He gave you things that are much more powerful than that. Look, this is 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4. For though I live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does with lunchboxes. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Somebody tell me one of the powerful weapons God has given us. Anybody? Prayer. Prayer is like calling in the special ops when you have a problem. That's what prayer is like. What's another one? The word of God is like a sword. When it's close work, when you need to divide something. Listen, I know people who don't like to read. Do you like to get hit by swords? Do you like other people to hurt you? Because learning to use the word of God is like learning to use the word, a sword, to defend and to attack. That's what it's for. The word is your sword. You know what? Praise. One of the biblical words for praise actually means power. Praise is like the artillery. I was just talking with John about this the other day. Praise fires ahead of you before you go into the battle and messes your enemy up before you even get there. Are you using the weapons that God has left laying around for you to use? So today what we're going to do is we're going to dust off a weapon we haven't used in a while. Is that okay? We're going to dust off communion. See this? Don't get into that yet. I know some of you are really eager because you love the little wafer. <laughs> Don't get into this yet. In just a little while, we're going to all take communion together. But just hold on to this, okay? So before we go any further, let's pray. Just like what we were singing a little while ago, here's my heart, Lord. Speak what is true. Here's my life, Lord. Speak what is true. Holy Spirit, all over this room, we already know you're here and we wanna submit ourselves to you. You do what you wanna do. And I pray for myself, Lord, that you wouldn't let anything harmful come out of my mouth, but only what's a blessing to your people that you love. Holy Spirit, would you give me eloquence of speech and clarity of thought? Would you fill me with your spirit so that only your spirit comes out of me? And I pray for these people. Lord, we open our ears and our hearts to you and we ask you to teach us what you want us to know and give us the weapons you intend for us to wield against the enemy of our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen, anybody? Amen. Okay, so I want to look at an interesting scripture. This is 1 Corinthians 11, 27 through 32. You've probably read this before. This is Paul talking to the church, and the church has gotten into some really bad habits, the church in, in Corinth. Some of those habits involve communion. So this is what he says. He says, so then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord, that's what we're talking about, we're talking about communion, in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. All right, I don't want to do that. Anybody else like, I don't want to sin against the body and the blood of Jesus. Anybody feel that way? Yep, like seven people in here are like, that's one thing I don't want to do. Show me your hand if you do not want to sin against it. Oh, I don't either. So I don't want to do it in an unworthy manner. I don't want to take it in an unworthy manner, right? So I want to learn something about what does it look like to take it in a, in a worthy manner. Uh, verse 28, everyone ought to examine themselves. Okay, we're going to do that in a little while. Before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. That doesn't mean I examine myself to feel shame. That's not what that means. It means I got to figure out what I'm bringing to the table, right? What am I bringing to the table? What, what's really going on in my life? Verse 29, for those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, okay, don't even know what that means, eat and drink judgment on themselves. I don't want to do that. Watch this. That is why many among you are weak and sick 
and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. In other words, God's, God's saying, I want to give you a tool that will help you with the weakness, that will help you with the sickness. People that it's not their time to die, we want to make sure they don't die, right? Listen, there's a time for me to die, and I want to do it at that time. I am not afraid of death. I want to go home. I want to see my father. I miss my home and I miss my dad, okay? There's a time for me to do that. But until that time, I don't want to do it. How about you? So this is what we're going to talk about today, this discerning the body of Christ. What what does that even mean? The word discern means to recognize. It means to honor. It means to regard. How do we even do that? This This is what I'm going to do today. I'm going to talk to you about Three different types of body, okay? There's, there's actually four that I know of in the word, but I'm just going to talk to you about three of them. And how do we discern the body? The first one is completely obvious, okay? Everybody in here, if you're in here, I know you have a physical body. Just touch it for a second. Yep, touch your neighbor appropriately. <laughs> this is your physical body. This thing is a work of art. It's an engineering masterpiece. So what I want to do is I want to go through and discern your body, okay? Just think about yourself, not your neighbor for a minute. Check, make sure all your fingers are in place. You got them all? Yeah? Your toes all connected? You got all that? Yeah? Yeah? Everything's, nothing's loose. Nothing's coming off. Okay, all my parts are here. Now I want you to go through and just kind of do a roll call of your body, okay? I want you to see if there's anything that's not working right. I got a little popcorn, a little crunchy thing going on in my neck this morning. My shoulders feel good, but they're a little crunchy. Got some tendonitis in my, in my right elbow. Are you doing it? Are you just listening to me? I want you to figure out what's going on in your body. Don't just look at me and shake your head, Josh. What's going on in your body? Got a hurt heel. Okay, you see what he's doing? He's, he's discerning his body. This is what my body's doing right now. Got a little catch in my lower back right here, okay and out hiking and stuff like that. Knees are good, praise God. You know I turn 50 next month. (laughs) Got a little pain in the foot. All right, okay. Now, um, because I've discerned all these things, when I go back and live my life, I'm gonna do something different. I've been laying off pull-ups because of this elbow, because I have tendonitis in this elbow. And when I do pull-ups, it inflames the tendon in my elbow. So that means the things that I've discerned in my body I'm going to take care of those things, right? If you have an injured back, you're going to lift things differently than you did when you were 18, right? Because you've discerned your body. You've figured out that there's some things you need to take care of. Are you guys following me? Are we okay? Has anybody noticed there's a couple of issues in your body? All right, that's good discernment. Did anybody leave any of their body parts at home today? Anyone? No, okay, good. That's great. We're all discerning our body. Have you ever thought about how fascinating this thing is? You know your body heals itself? The number one healing agent in your body is your body. Have you thought about that? You're constantly replenishing dead and wounded cells. You wake up everyone. Do you know if you cut a piece off of your liver, it'll grow back? Did you know that? That's freaky. Your body can heal itself. We were up uh, hiking up to, what is it, Exit Glacier? Uh, a few weeks ago, and I don't know if you've done that or not. If you go up to the ice fields, it's awesome. We didn't get all the way up because it's like four and a half miles that way, and it's like stair steps all the way up. But one of my daughters decided when we were about halfway up, two and a half miles up, uh, that 
it's right, two and a half miles up, that she had to pee. And she didn't want to pull off the side and pee in the bushes because there was so much traffic going up and now we met people from France and Russia and all over the place going up and down and she didn't want to pee around all those people. So she went jamming down the mountain. And you can imagine if you try to run down two and a half miles of mountain, at some point you're going to hit a root. She hit a root and she supermaned and she landed on her face. Blam! And she skinned up her knees and she skinned up her shoulder and her face, right? But her body is so incredible that I'm anticipating by the time I get back, it will have already stitched itself together. Those scabs are already disappearing because her body heals her body. You hear what I'm saying? Now, what would have happened if she came down the mountain and she's bleeding out of her knees and I said, well, I think we're going to have to amputate. (laughs) Does that make any sense at all? Would your leg heal? I'm not talking about having gangrene or anything like that. If you have a scraped up knee, is it better for you to cut your leg off? No, that's stupid, right? When I was a little kid, I, I, uh, I hugged a stray dog too tight and it bit my ear almost completely off. Like it was almost completely severed. And my parents had a decision to make at that point, right? Do you just take a hold of it and give it a pretty good tug? (laughs) He's got another one, (laughs) right? Just give it a tug. No, that thing's not replaceable. I'm not aerodynamic if I don't have both of them. I'd kind of like lean to the right. No, what they decided to do is they went into the hospital and they stitched my ear back on. And the reason I have a left ear, you may not like how it stands out. You may not like what it looks like. It's a little bigger than yours, whatever. I'm just glad I've got an ear attached to my body. And the reason my ear healed is because it stayed attached to my body. Do you see what I'm doing? Am I playing tricks with you? You see what I'm doing? The reason my ear healed is because the body heals the body when it's connected to itself. Okay, let's talk about the second kind of body in the Bible. The second kind of body is the church. The Bible calls in Colossians and Corinthians calls the church, that's us, the body of Christ. That's one of those code words in Christian. If, if you haven't been around the church very often, if you're newly saved, we use code words and slang all the time. So when you hear somebody talk about the body of Christ, that person's talking about us. Why on earth would the Bible call us the body of Christ? Because generally, when God is going to bring his gospel somewhere, he uses your feet to do it. You're his body. If he's going to touch someone, he uses your hands to do it. You're his body. If he's going to speak to someone, he most often uses the word of God or your mouth to do it. You're the body of Christ. If he's going to bless someone, he's going to probably do it through you. Deb brought me dinner last night. She was the body of Christ, and it was very good. Thank you. I appreciate that. The the body of Christ fed the body of Christ. You get it? And as long as we stay connected, our body takes care of our needs. So let's do the same thing with the body of Christ. Discern the body of Christ. Look around you for a minute. Everyone here knows somebody here. Is there anyone missing? Do you know anyone that you care about or that you know who's not here right now? You see what we're doing? I wonder why they're not here right now. Maybe they're out hiking. That's cool. That's fine. Maybe they're visiting their mother-in-law. Pray for them. (laughs) 
I hope she's not watching right now. I love you. <laughs> it's just a joke. <laughs> Maybe they're sick. Wow, if they're sick, I wonder what we should do about it. If they're not doing well, I wonder what we should do. If they haven't been here for a little while, I wonder, see what you're doing? You're discerning the body of Christ. Somebody I care about is not here. What do I do about it, Lord? What do I do about that? Look around you for a second. Look at the faces around you. And don't look at them with your physical eyes. Look at them with the Spirit of God and say, Holy Spirit, how's everybody doing? Right? Just like we checked our shoulders and our elbows, how's the body of Christ doing today? And you may look at somebody and go, you know what? I feel like that person needs prayer. What should you do after service today if you're looking at another person who's part of the body of Christ and the Holy Spirit says, I'll bet that person needs prayer. That's exactly right, because the body heals the body, right? You may look at somebody and God says, that person needs 200 bucks. You know that God uses you, body, to provide for the body? Uncle Sam's not the body. Why do we expect the government to do the job of the church? What if we took care of the body? Wouldn't that be cool? That's discerning the body. Almost every healing I've received in my life has been through the body of Christ. People touching and healing people. That's why last week we read James 5, 14 through 17. It says, if anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. That's the body taking care of the body, right? So that, what? You may be healed. The body heals the body. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You say, I'm not righteous. The Bible says you're the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Your works aren't what make you righteous. Your God's what makes you righteous. Jesus makes you righteous. So when you pray, you're going, oh, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that this week. I shouldn't have done that last night. Listen, what you did didn't make you righteous. What he did makes you righteous. So your prayers are righteous. Your prayers are the prayers of a righteous person. They're powerful and effective. And the body takes care of the body. When I was sick and in bed, the body visited me. When I was brokenhearted because my my little brother, who I love, committed suicide, the body helped me grieve. The body showed up to the funeral. Some of my best friends helped me cry. My wife is part of the body to me. She helped, she held me and helped me grieve because I didn't know how to grieve over my brother. She helped me grieve. When we were first in ministry and we were in complete poverty, the body of Christ went out and cut some wood and filled a dump truck and came to our house and gave us a dump truck full of wood. Not once, over and over and over again. Because the body of Christ meets the needs and heals the body of Christ. Listen, even if I were not a Christian, I would still want to be engaged in a loving congregation. You know why? Because at some point I'm going to need somebody. At some point, there's going to be somebody in my life that I need to trust because I'm sick, I'm broken, I'm wounded. My heart is wounded. I'm caught up in sin. There's an iniquity I can't get through, I can't get over. And I need somebody who's willing to pray for me and help me. Even if I wasn't saved, knowing what I know now, I would want to be in the church. 
And I'd want to be in a small group too, by the way. Oh, dang, there's a church's small group right there. When Pastor Josh comes back, he is going to unleash on you a new plan for this church being healthy, okay? And it's going to be awesome. And I want to encourage everybody to get engaged in the body. Cool? So I wasn't always like that, though. I wasn't always engaged in the body. There was a point when I was offended with the church. Anybody here ever been offended by the church? If, if you have not been offended by the church, you haven't been here very long. <laughs> Give it time. It's going to happen. Why? Because the whole church is full of people like you. And you're completely offensive. And the church is full of people like me, and I'm offensive. The church is full of people who are hurt and broken. That's who we are. If you think the church is full of perfect people, that church is lying to you. <laughs> It's the, it's the sick who need a doctor. It's the broken who need a doctor. Welcome to broken land. We need Jesus, and that's why we're here. So you're going to be button heads and rubbing up against imperfect people all the time. So my, my family finally got us going to a church when uh, we lived in San Antonio, Texas, and people were being nice to me, you know. I, I met a youth worship pastor who, who, who didn't mind that I was listening to Metallica, you know? I was into heavy metal at the time, and he was beginning to teach me how to play guitar, which was amazing. And I began to form relationships with Christian kids, and it was so good, and we were attending regularly. And then it came out that the pastor was having sex with everything that moves on two legs. Like the elders' wives, some of the pastor's wives. I was going to a counselor because, I don't know if you'd noticed yet or not, but I'm a little jacked. He was having sex with my counselor. There was a little girl, this is what really ticked me off. There was a little girl who was dying of brain cancer and this whole youth group was praying for this girl to be saved. He was visiting the church and praying for her to be healed and sleeping with her mom. And that guy had called me down in the congregation and chewed me out for my behavior. And I was like, what? You are judging me when you're doing that with all of them? And I was like, deuces, y'all, I'm out. I do not have to dress up early on a Sunday morning in clothes that are uncomfortable and I don't like and listen to bad music in order to be treated like this. I can be treated this badly anywhere. I was dating a Christian girl at the time and she decided she needed to break up with me because God told her so. So I was like, God, get your own girlfriend. <laughs> so I was mad at God. I was mad at the church. I hated the church and I cut myself off from the body of Christ for years. And I want you to know that my life did not get easy. My life got harder and harder and harder and I got more and more broken and I got deeper and deeper into sin. Why? Because I was cut off from the very thing that God had put into my life to heal me. Is it gonna offend you? Yeah. That's a test, by the way. And you can either be healed or you can be offended, but you can't be both. I'm gonna show you, ready? This is Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Jesus is walking around all over the place, healing people and doing powerful things. Verse 21, it says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman, who, that's not a Jewish woman. She's probably, she may have been a Samaritan. She may have been a descendant of the Philistines. She was, she was a Canaanite. 
from the vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. That's a big deal, right? You would expect Jesus to have compassion on a person like this, right? Jesus did not answer a word. Have you ever been praying for something and Jesus didn't answer a word? That happens to me all the time. I'm like, hello. (laughs) You called me son. You said your father. I want something now. (laughs) Who do you think you are? (laughs) Not answering me. I'm just not going to church anymore. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. People who really need things from the Lord don't do one-off prayers and then go, God, I asked and he didn't answer me. People who are desperate keep asking for things because they don't have another choice. If you're smug with God, you're not desperate. Is that offensive? Let's discern the body. If you're smug with God, you're not desperate yet. Ouch. I say that because that's been me. He answered, listen, this is a harsh answer. I was sent only for the lost sheep of Israel. He's talking about Jewish people. I was only sent for Jewish people. The woman came and knelt before him. She humbles herself before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. No, he didn't. What, he just call her? What? You don't call a woman that. Nobody calls a woman that. So it's, he's not saying what you think he's saying. In these times, the Jewish people, actually everyone in this, in this, in this time period was racist. And if you weren't a Jew, you were a Gentile. And they called everyone who was a non-Jew a dog. That ain't kind. This woman came to him. She needs him. She needs help. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. And he says it's not right to give the children's bread to dogs, inferring you're a dog. I have a friend that was mad at Jesus for years because of that scripture. He called that woman a dog. How dare he do that? That's offensive. Especially in our current culture. He says, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Know why she said that? That's right. She loved loved her daughter more than she loved her pride. That was a test. You see, if you want to be offended, God will let you be offended. But if you want Jesus, you're going to get Jesus. You get what you want. We've got a whole culture that's, that wants to be offended so badly. We're so busy being offended that we can't be whole. We're so busy being offended that we can't be healed. You're going to be offended in the house of God because he's going to test you to find out what do you want. Do you want to be offended or do you want to be healed? I'll give you what you want. Oh. Ouch. Zach, that's a... Then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Bam! She cared more about her daughter than she cared about her pride. Do you want to be healed or do you want to be offended? What's stronger? Your pride or your desperation? My pride or my desperation? I have a choice. 
And this is what happens. We get offended, and just like that ear, we just like, I don't need that. Yeah, you do. I need you. You're not replaceable. And you need me, by the way. I'm not replaceable either. You can't just pull apart off the body of Christ and say, I'm just going to, well, that's it. I'm done. I'm separate. No, I love Jesus, but I don't love the church. How many people have done that? There's, there's a whole new group of Christians now called the Duns because they're done with church and they're not going anymore. I want to challenge you to go out and get the body. Go out and get them and tell them, you know, I know you've done, you've been done wrong. And if you come into a relationship with me, I guarantee you at some point you're going to get offended again. But I'm committing that I'm going to love you if you'll love me, and let's just try it. Let's just try. Come back and, and come back and be part of us again because we need each other. You bring something important, and we need you, and we love you. Bring people back in. Bring the duns back into the body. When I stopped being offended with God, I received Jesus Christ, and he healed me. And when I stopped being offended with the church, I came back into relationship with the body of Christ and there were things that he healed just in relationship with me. There were other things that he healed in relationship with other people. And that's just how, and it's still happening. It's still happening to this day. Dude, is this powerful? This is how God designed you. He designed the body to heal the body. We talked about the physical body. We talked about our body of Christ, the church. Now let's talk about the actual body of Christ. His actual wounded, broken body. We're going to take communion in just a few minutes, and we're going to discern the body. But did you know that communion is an offense to people too? When Jesus first instituted communion, he did it in a way that was a test of people's offense. I want to show you. This is John 6, 51 through 61. This is Jesus. A whole crowd of people started following him because he keeps healing people. He walks on water. He calms storms. He casts out demons. Who else are you going to follow? And this guy would tell stories. They're great stories. I mean, he's entertaining. So everybody's following him. He, he, get, he feeds people. He gives them fish for free. He gives them bread for free. Why would you not follow this guy? So he's got this huge crowd of people. He's got the mega church every pastor prays for. Everybody's following him on Instagram. Everybody's on his account. He's friends with everybody. He's famous and he's got a platform and he tries to offend them all. Watch. He says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Ooh, ooh, me. This bread is my flesh which I will give for the life of the world. Okay, wait, time out. What? It, that's, you're talking about cannibalism. Okay, I got a question. Like, for realsies? you saying we're going to eat your flesh. For real, like, imagine. He's got the biggest following in his day. He has more people following him, and he starts out by saying something that sounds deliberately obtuse. Like, is this a good time to use a metaphor, Jesus? You could have said that an easier way, but he keeps going. The Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Are you going to do the same thing with you that you did with the fishes and the loaves? You're going to break off a finger and break it and pass it around? Everybody take a little finger. It'll just grow back. Watch that there. See that? No problem. 
Is he going to do that? Like they're freaking out about it and they're beginning to get offended. Communion has been offending people for 2,000 years. Denominations have broken and built over communion. Wars have been fought over communion, over whether or not when you take the wafer or the bread, it becomes the actual body of Christ or whether or not it's somehow a mysterious presence of God. People have killed each other over this stuff. You can't get any more offended than that. Jesus said to him, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. What? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. You couldn't have phrased that better, Jesus? You couldn't have said, now listen, I'm speaking metaphorically. You understand that, right? He doesn't do it. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me, he just keeps hammering it in, doesn't he? It's like he wants to know how many will stick around. Who wants to be offended? I'm just going to tee it up for you. Put your hand down. (laughs) You're a mess, dude. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. He said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. He said it from their church, the synagogue. He offended their Jewish leaders. His core. Aware of that, of uh, Uh, Oh, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? (laughs) That's like the understatement of the year. Wow, this is one. This one's tough. Uh, I know you can walk on water, cast out demons. You can feed us all. You tell storms to stop. You can do anything you want to, but I got to tell you, Jesus, (laughs) it's hard for me to get around this one. (laughs) Do you see the word of God is hilarious. Hey, just because you don't understand it, don't make it not true. Just because you haven't experienced it doesn't mean it isn't so. Right? We go, well, that hasn't been true in my experience. Is it possible that there is a percentage of a percentage of things that have happened on earth that you haven't experienced yet? <laughs> I don't understand. That's, that's not true. I, I don't feel like, is it possible that there's a percentage of a percentage of things that are known that you don't know yet? We go around thinking that we are like the standard of truth. We don't know Jack. This one's hard. I don't think I can handle that. We need to have a discussion group about this and decide what we think about eating Jesus. (laughs) Verse 61. (laughs) I'm sorry. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, his disciples are like, you just got the biggest gathering in history and they're leaving now, Jesus. He's the worst teacher. I'm like, they're saying stuff like this. What a bad teacher. I'm sorry, baby. It's not true. He's a good teacher. A way that they were saying this, he says, he says this, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Has Jesus offended you yet? Listen, does it offend you that we're taking communion out of little plastic cups? 
There are people who will go home every time communion is served and go, I hate it when we do that. that and that you, when I do that, I'm missing something. I'm actually choosing to be offended. Listen, I don't love these either. This is not the way I'd prefer to do it, but this is what we have right now, right? I've taken communion with milk and chicken and broccoli casserole. I'm not going to let this get in the way of what God wants to do in my heart. Some of you don't like the little wafer because it's like styrofoam. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. It's not, it's not as good as Wonder Bread or whatever it is, a nice French loaf or something like that. But, but we're not doing this so that you can be full of bread. The point is not that we can have good tasting bread in our mouth. The point is that we remember and receive what Jesus did through his body. Some of you are offended because this, this isn't real wine. It's, it's juice. It's not real wine. It's not the blood of Jesus. It's just juice. Some people are offended because we don't come to the altar and bow down. Some people are offended because a priest doesn't put it on your tongue and you touch it. There's all kinds of reasons to be offended. Listen, are you offended? I'm asking you not to be offended. Do not separate yourself from the body of Christ. Cling to the body of Christ and don't let anything come between you and what Jesus has done for you. Even your own expectations of what it's supposed to look like or be like, right? He says in verse 67, do you not want to leave me too? Then in 68, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you're the Holy One of God. He's saying, you can say the craziest thing you want, but I'm desperate. Nobody else says the things you do. Nobody else has the power you do. I've come to believe that you're, you're God. And when you come to believe that he's God, you don't get offended so easily anymore. Because it's not about what you want or what you need about your pride. It's about he's God. Oh. We're going to take communion in just a moment. Did you know that communion was a center of worship for 1,900 years? Not preaching, Communion. Not music, communion. Originally, it was, it was a meal. It was an entire feast. The, the first communion happened during Passover. And when Jesus was passing around the bread, he's saying to his disciples, I am the Passover loaf. I'm the unleavened bread. Passover was when the death angel passed over the Israelites and killed all the firstborn of Egypt. You may not know that story, great story, but in Passover it's saying, because of the blood of the lamb, the death angel doesn't affect me and my house. And he's saying, that's the blood I'm serving you. I'm, I'm, I'm the blood of the Passover lamb. I'm the sacrifice of Passover. I, the death angel doesn't touch you. You get to live forever because of me. And they'd eat a whole meal together. Originally, it was called Eucharist for about the first 1,500 years, and the word Eucharist just means thank you. It comes from 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, for I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he given thanks, he broke it. That give thanks is eucharisto. It, it, means, it means thank you. 
the Eucharist, instead of being called communion, was originally called thank you. Why? Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for the body broken for me. Thank you for the blood poured out. We call it communion. Communion means to join together. Did you know that the blood of Jesus is the adhesive of heaven and earth? It's what sticks you to heaven. It's what sticks you to your father. You get a blood transfusion. You don't have to live according to the blood of your ancestors. Now, because of Jesus Christ, you get to live according to the blood of your savior. You join together with Jesus Christ. There's a first century saint named Ignatius. He's the Bishop of Antioch, born in 35 AD. That is really close to Jesus. That means just a couple of years after Jesus was crucified, this guy was born. So he was raised in that atmosphere of the knowledge and the witness of the resurrection of Christ and the crucifixion of Christ, okay? So he was a bishop, good guy. He was martyred in Rome. They fed him to the lions. That's how you know you're a good guy back then. (laughs) He says that communion is the medicine of immortality and the antidote for death. What? They believed that it was so powerful that when you're taking communion, you could be healed. Why would they believe that? Because it happened. Because their medical system wasn't like our medical system. They didn't get vaccines. They had the blood of Jesus and the body of Jesus. And so if they had sickness among them, they took communion. That was their medicine. Arrhenius of Lyons, he's one of the great theologians of the early church. He says the Eucharist consists of two realities, an earthly reality and a heavenly reality. Earthly reality is this little plastic thing with some juice and a a little wafer inside of it. Heavenly reality is the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Earthly reality is I'm broken, I'm sick, I'm hurting. Earthly reality is he is a healer. He's powerful. He's the binder up of broken hearts. He's the balm of Gilead. Do you understand? There's an exchange that happens between the earthly reality and the heavenly reality, which is what we're about to take part in. The body is for healing the body. Let's read this, Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. This is the exchange. This is the heaven and earth exchange. (coughs) I almost inhaled my gum. All last year, my mom kept a bottle of wine and some uh, saltine crackers on the counter. And, and while people were being scared to death of dying of COVID, my mom would go in there every morning and would discern the body of Christ. She'd take the wine and the crackers and break them. And she'd take communion as her medicine. Now, she wasn't foolish. In fact, in, in my opinion, she was a little bit more protective. My parents were than I wish they were because I missed them and I wanted to see them more. But she took communion... Seriously, when we have Christmas services on Christmas Eve in my family, we gather together in front of the Christmas tree. We watch the Christmas movie, that nativity story, which is awesome if you haven't seen it. And then before we do anything involving presents, we tell the story of Jesus and we sit around and we do our own little candlelight service and we take communion together. And I help my children to discern the body of Christ. And we make that heaven and earth exchange because that's what Christmas is about. And my favorite memories of Christmas are sitting with my family in candlelight and taking communion together. Isaiah 53, four through five says this. Surely he, Jesus, has borne our griefs 
and carried our sorrows. When he was carrying the cross, he was carrying our griefs and our sorrows. Anybody here? Let's do a little discernment. Anybody here have some griefs or sorrows that they need help carrying? Yeah. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. A transgression is a sin. I'm not going to make you show your hand, but anybody here have a sin that they want the Lord, they want to bring to the Lord and say, I did it again. Jared, you're just going to raise your hand for every single thing, aren't you? You know why? Because he's being honest. Yeah, me too. Me too. Jesus. He was bruised for our iniquities. And iniquity is, is not a sin. It's a leaning towards sin. Not everybody leans towards the same sin, right? You may lean towards uh, anger or greed or sloth or, uh, or porn or substances. There's shopping. It's a leaning towards a thing. I don't do it all the time, but when I'm tempted, that's the direction I'm tempted in. Do you know that Jesus was bruised so that you could be healed of your iniquities? The chastisement for our peace was upon him. Anybody ever deal with anxiety? And by his stripes, we are healed. Whole. Anybody need a healer? The New Living Translation says it this way in verse 5, but he was pierced for our rebellion. I am a naturally rebellious person. Jesus' hands were pierced for that. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away. Every single one of us. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Does everyone have one of these? If you don't have one, if you'll put your hand up, we'll make sure we get you one. Don't take it yet. Just relax. It's okay if you get it ready. We're going to do a little bit of examining ourselves, okay? The Bible says to examine yourself. So I just want you to close your eyes for a moment, and I'm going to ask you, this is a very, very important question, okay? Communion is for believers. You don't have to be a member of this church or any particular denomination to take communion with us. The church has open communion, which means if you're a believer, you take communion. But if you don't believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, you shouldn't do it. It's okay to put it down. In fact, it may be better if you put it down. Let's examine ourselves about something else. Let's discern our bodies, those things we were talking about. Do I have any grief that I need the Lord to touch, to carry? Is there a sin? I've done it again, God, I've done it again. This is not to feel shame. This is to bring it to him so that he who paid for it can deal with it. I have done it again, God. Is there an iniquity in my heart? A 
thing that my heart keeps being drawn to. It's drawn to this, this thing, this habit, more than it's drawn to Jesus. And I want to be drawn to Jesus more than I want to be drawn to sin. Is there anxiety in my heart? Let's discern what's our body like. Now I want you to do this. Just peel the top off of that. And don't eat it yet, but hold that little wafer. How can such a small thing represent such a big sacrifice? This is what I want to do. Before we take this, I want to discern the body of Jesus, okay? So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go through the wounds of Jesus. For years, this was my habit. I'd roll out of bed in the morning, and I would go through the wounds of Jesus Christ, and I would submit every part of me to him that he was wounded in. I would go through the exchange every day. And so this is what I'm going to do. We're going to go through the exchange. Let's begin with the feet of Jesus. And if it helps you to close your eyes, that's okay. Do you remember the feet of Jesus Christ? Those precious, sinless feet. A nail was driven through the top of one foot and through the bottom of it, through the top of the other and through the bottom of that. His perfect feet pierced. And Jesus, you never once walked into sin and I have walked the paths of unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your feet that were pierced for me. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your hands. I can't even imagine what it felt like to have your hands nailed to a tree. I can't even imagine the pain. And you never laid your hands to sin. You never touched anyone in an unrighteous way. I've done those things. I hurt people. I touched people in ways that were harmful. Father, thank you that your hands were pierced for the sin of my hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. And now I give my feet back to you. I submit them to you. And I pray that you would help me to walk your path. And I give my hands to you. And I pray that you would set my hand to your work. And that I would only do what is healing and edifying with these hands in the name of Jesus. Remember the back of Jesus. Your back was beaten, whipped, till your ribs shone through, the bones shone through, the skin hung like tatters. The back represents our strength and our weakness. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that your back was so badly beaten because my back is so very weak. Lord, I submit my weakness to you. I submit what little strength that I have to you. And I thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that by your stripes, I'm made whole. I'm healed. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. You were punched in your mouth when my mouth was the one that spoke unrighteousness. Thank you for taking the beating that I deserved. Your beard was ripped out and you were humiliated when I was the one whose pride needed to be crucified. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, that you were beaten and crucified for my pride. You didn't deserve it. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you hung and carried the anxieties of my heart. 
and I give them all to you right now. Thank you, Lord, that your perfect heart was pierced. You never had an unholy affection or an unholy emotion. And I've had so many of them, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that your heart was pierced so that my affections could be purified, so that my emotions could be healed. Thank you, Lord, that your heart was pierced so that I could love what you love and hate what you hate. Thank you for the crown of thorns pressed down over your head. My mind is the one who had imaginations of sin. You never did. But thank you, Lord, that you paid the price for my mind, for my thoughts, for my will, for my imaginations. And I receive it all. I receive it all, Lord Jesus Christ. I receive every place you were wounded for me. And I pray, Lord God, for the exchange, that you would exchange your thoughts for mine, Lord. Fill my mind with your thoughts. Fill my heart with your affections. Lord, fill my body with your wholeness, with your healing. Lord, fill my, fill my soul. Bind up my broken heart and lift my griefs off. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Lord, we take this little wafer and we break it in remembrance of you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 25, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. People of God, remember. I call you to remember. Let's take it together. Let's get into this little juice. Verse 25 says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. What's the new covenant? The new covenant is, the old covenant was, you sin, you pay for it. The new covenant is, you sin and I pay for it. God pays for it. The new covenant is, you step out of line, I pay for it. The new covenant is, you have an unholy thought, I paid for it. The, the new covenant is, you have an un, un, unholy affection, I paid for it. The new covenant is all your shame, all your grief, all your guilt, I paid for it. That's the new covenant. The new covenant is you're a son of God, you're a daughter of God, nothing can rip you out of his hands because he paid for it, that's the new covenant. The new covenant is you're a blood relation with the Father of heaven and earth, that's the new covenant. This is the new covenant for the people. just remembered the evidence that God loves us. Who's thankful for that? Can you just tell him thank you for a minute? Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to ever forget. We remember and we thank you. And what we're gonna do now, because we recognize how he's loved us, now we're gonna love him, we're gonna worship together. So I wanna ask you to stand. And I wanna ask the elders to come down again, those that are here at the moment. And if, if you have any sickness, the Bible says to have the elders lay hands on you 
and anoint you. And the Bible says that you'll be healed. Listen, the obedience is our part. The results are his. All we have to do is obey. So if you have any kind of sickness that you want prayer for, come down to the elders. Robert's here. I don't know if Larry's here or not, but he's okay. All right. Oh yeah. Can we borrow you for a second? Can, would you mind praying for people? I would love that. The second group of people I want to talk to is, is people that have been wounded by the church. Can the prayer workers come on down? If you've been wounded by the church and it's been hard for you to get re-engaged because you're hurt, would you come down and let someone agree with you in prayer and so we can be reconnected again? The body's for the healing of the body and the Lord wants us well. And then if there's anything at all that you need prayer for, don't go that way, come this way, okay? We're gonna sing one more song and then someone's gonna come out and, uh, and release you. But listen, I wanna ask you, because we remember the great love of Jesus Christ, to pour your, he poured his love out on you. Pour your love back out on him. Pour your gratitude back out on him. Let's worship him. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.